I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik. And today, to my left, normally not at my left, the Director of Engineering, Mitch Middlestead, and across the table, uh, former Senior Ballistic Scientist, Dave Emery. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. Good to be right. here, Seth. Thanks yeah. a lot, Seth. Yeah, I say normally not at my left because you're yeah, normally over in that normally corner. Over there. <laughs> and normally, Neil Davies sits over there. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of throwing me off my game here. Um, well, what we want to talk about today is hot, nasty, badass speed. And uh, nothing embodies that more than the 204 Ruger. Right. And that is a cartridge that is blistering fast. It's been accurate. People have been using it now for, gosh, I don't know when it came out. We'll, we'll get there. But my gosh, it's, uh, it is a varmint hunter's dream cartridge. And accurate, fast, and for shooting prairie dogs and coyotes right. and stuff like that. You, those are two very important things. And, uh, it really bridges the gap between some of the smaller, uh, center fire and bigger rim fire stuff like the 17 Hornet and the 22 Hornet and the, uh, you know, all those other wildcats in that world, or even the 17 HMR. And then the bigger, a little bit heavier recoiling rounds like the 22, 250, or even the 223, you get a small platform, very efficient, and then just as fast as you can get. So that was kind of a brainchild of, of. Uh, Dave Emery and and some others here uh, in the fold, and I want to go back to 2000. What probably one or two? Uh, I think we introduced that in 2003, and and this it, it was really the next big project after the 17 HMR. And mm-hmm. I mean the 17 HMR, you know, of course, was a tidal wave it, it, success, instant cart- success. Yeah, yep. and and it was a fun little you know, varmint cartridge and it was, it was effective. And so we said, well, okay, we kind of covered the far left end of the spectrum here. And, you know, 22, 250 has been around forever and that's the master of varmint cartridges and all that kind of stuff. So we said, and, and at that time, if I remember right, Mitch, the 17s, the 20, the 20 caliber mm, was really big. 20 at that caliber time. was, was hot at that. The yeah. 20 Vartar, the PDK, yep. and some of those yep. other and 20 we tactical. Said, we said, okay. Let's see if we can't develop the ultimate varmint cartridge here that, oh, by the way, will go in an AR platform. Ooh, yeah. And Accuracy through volume. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what we, we came up with, I, I can remember Mitch and I sitting down and talking about it some, and um, we said, look, let's, why don't we take something like the 223 REM mag and just simply neck it down to 20? I mean, it wasn't any kind of... Yeah, the triple yeah, deuce. You know, brilliant yeah, was, idea or yeah. anything. It was just... 220. Yeah, 222. Two yeah, sorry, Rem 222 Rem Mag. And the real advantage of that was, was the, and why we chose 20 calibers, one, it was hot at the time, and also because of that smaller caliber, within the cartridge overall length of that, we could get an effectively percentage-wise longer OGI bullet in there, and we could significantly surpass the ballistic coefficient, you know, of the typical 22 caliber varmint bullets. And it's like, you know, with the kind of velocities we can get out of this thing, boy, this is going to be one yeah. flat shooting. Mm-hmm. We reach way out there, varmint yeah. cartridge. Well, it definitely does that. Did, when you initially started that design, did you consider going 223, which, you know, the 223 practical, which is just a 223 neck down to 20? 
I, or I don't, you needed more payload. I don't think we ever considered anything. Like I don't think so either. I, it uh, wouldn't, you know, we could get a little bit extra out of it. And, and then just like Dave was saying, we could still get an O-Jive to get a high enough holistic coefficient. And so we just went for the max on the cartridge case. And it was, you know, Mitch can talk to the cartridge part of it. You know, the bullets weren't terribly hard to make. You know, we decided, okay, we'll do this with two bullets. We'll have a lighter, straightforward, flat-based bullet in a 32 grain, which is going to be blistering fast. Mm -hmm. And then let's do a little bit more elegant, sophisticated, you know, 40 grain bullet with a little longer ogive and a boat tail and everything. Now we're going for BC, a little less velocity, but boy, this thing is really going to get out there. Yeah. And probably the biggest technical part of that was, was there really wasn't any powder that existed at the time that you right. would say had optimized this cartridge. Okay. And we went to St. Mark's and told them, we want a cartridge built for this cartridge and these bullet weights that maximizes the performance. Yes. Of so purpose build us a propellant that's going to optimize right. these bullet weights in this payload capacity. That's, you know, for, for... The, a powder manufacturer, that's probably not a super tall order, but for, you know, me as a reloader growing up, that's like, yeah. it's not like you go to the drive-thru and eat, yeah. Right. Well, I can remember they were, so you want us to design a powder just for one cartridge. How much of this are you guys going to sell? And of course, at that time we were like, well, probably uh, be noticeable, uh, yeah. but we can't. That's and, not and, huge and numbers. It, and it turned into, okay, pretty huge numbers because yeah. of how popular. And they were like, holy cow, this thing really took off, you guys. Yeah. Hornady Outfitter Ammunition is now loaded with Hornady CX bullets. Its optimized monolithic design combined with a heat shield tip offers extended range performance, enhanced accuracy, high weight retention, and deep penetration. Outfitter Ammunition features corrosion-resistant nickel-plated cases that are sealed watertight, designed to perform under the toughest conditions. No matter where adventure takes you, trust your hunt to Outfitter Ammunition from Hornady. And the, at the time, <clears throat> the, the Triple Deuce mag was it popular then? Because by the time I was an up-and-comer, nobody, nobody no. chambered them. No, there I think the 222 left. for all the 222 mag for all intents and purposes at the time was um, elite. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we kind of brought it back. But you know, was, some of the things that are interesting on the cartridge case side is at that time in the early 2000s is when Hornady really came on and started making our own cartridge aces at the yeah, time. That's a big deal. So at that time, we actually purchased all of our even our 223 cases from other suppliers because at that point we really only made the e08 family i think the odd six family i think we made a couple of magnums um so it's kind of interesting that us or so in the cartridge case manufacturing side we actually had we built a 204 case before we built a 223 case. Oh, so my goodness. That, so Ooh, that would be the opposite of what anybody else would do. Yeah. But uh, actually started out with, because uh, at that point, you could still you could still purchase U.S. government surplus case-making tooling for 5.56. So using that as the kind of pattern for how thick the sidewall needed to be and use that punch. But, of course, 222 rim mag is what, about an eighth of an inch longer than that it, case? Or almost like, a 200 thousandths? Something like that. Quite a bit. So, so we had to change the neck. Uh, we had to make the final draw a little bit longer so that we can make a little bit taller cartridge case. 
Uh, and then I also remember one of the nuts we had to crack on that is we put a pretty sharp shoulder on it. So we put the 30 degree shoulder, which now you see is standard. pretty much standard for everything we do. We've, you know, it, it, and at that point in time, we did that because we said, hey, you know, we can get another two tenths of a grain of powder mm -hmm. in the case. Right. And, you know, we were, we were pushing this thing for all we could get out right. of it. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and that, and that also becomes a shoulder on the manufacturing side. That's, that is a practical angle to manufacture mm -hmm. because there are a handful of cartridges out there. The folks know what they are that have a 35 degree shoulder. Well, in manufacturing a cartridge from scratch, 35 degree shoulders are a real pain in the butt. They, okay. you, your scrap rate's a lot higher. You're just trying to bend that metal so far around. It just doesn't want to bend that way. So Why I mean, fight it? Yeah, exactly. So go, go as sharp as you can. It's still very efficient. Still gives you a really good headspace surface. Um, and then I also remember on the 204, we fought because you were necking it down further than what that case diameter, you know, it's obviously just for 22 cal. We're taking it down to 20 cal. We ended up building up material, and, and the guys who are target shooters know what I'm talking about. There, there ends up being a donut of material right at the bottom of the neck going in the shoulder. And then 204 was notorious for forming a big donut at the start. Mm. Uh, so, we had, so we went through some things. There's a little bit of secret sauce we can do. Um, and even right now, today, we're still using that tooling, and our 204 cases don't have a donut in them. How about that? Just for what that's worth. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Hey, it's, info. you know, that was us progressing through learning how to do yeah. more and more and right. more things and be self-sufficient instead of depending yeah. upon somebody mm -hmm. else to do it. Um, Mitch brought it up before we came on here, but the other um, pretty significant thing in the propellant on this one was when we had them designing this, they said, hey, um, we started last year putting bismuth pellets, bismuth pellets in uh, 556 ammo for the Army. Okay. And they said, well, what it does is it, it hardens the copper that's left in the barrel and the stuff just flakes off and comes and blows out on the next shot. And he said, it keeps copper out of the barrel. We said, yeah, sure. Yep. On this cartridge? Of course we want to do that. Yeah. So that was really the first cartridge that has now the fairly common, mm -hmm. you know, bismuth pellets added to it as a decoppering agent. Wow. Right. So that's, that's really the precursor. So what, so what Hodgden puts in a canister is CFE, which is copper fouling eraser. Mm -hmm. CFE 223 is a version of the 204 powder. Wow. Is, uh, yeah, probably a slightly modified. But slightly rate. modified, right. but pretty darn close. Wow. Yep. Well, that, uh, yep. the spillover effect of you guys wanting to make a really hot rod varmint cartridge, now, you know, a commercially available propellant that people use all over the country right. and with good success. That's pretty cool. As far as the cartridge case manufacturing goes, as a as a company history, being being able to manufacture our own brass was critical. Right, that was a huge step for us. And uh, you know, I'm obviously Mitch, you're a degreed engineer, and I bet that was very satisfying to have a problem set like that and to create some secret sauce to help iron oh, things yeah. out. Oh yeah, I mean that was, and then that was a whole new cartridge family for us. So then after that, of course, flowed the 223 and the 556, and we do make 222 Remington. That one mm -hmm. actually still does have some ales volume. And then strangely enough, we still don't make a 222 Rim Mag. No. There's just no, there, there's, there's, there's no request for that. There's a lot of hand loaders out there that I know are, are thankful that we do the 204 Ruger. Right, because so they, they actually neck those up to yep. get their 222 Mag. Yeah. So yep. the performance, you, you go to this powder manufacturer, hey, can you, can you make us something 
custom, truly custom to really optimize this. You identify your bullet weights, like you had said, Dave, you got the the flat base 32 grainer just for the speed, and you got the 40 grain elegant longer ojive uh, boat tail on there. What kind of performance were you seeing from a, a velocity standpoint well, initially? Um, going into it, I think, Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was an emotional investment on Ruger and you know, the, the management levels of Hornady and Ruger that, you know, we want 4,200 foot per second. Mm-hmm. We want the fastest commercial cartridge out there. And in a 24 inch barrel, we were getting about 4,100. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was, I mean, we had pushed everything as far as you could right. push it. I mean, sure. it was a full, full case of, of ball powder. This was a, a higher nitroglycerin, higher energy propellant. I mean, it was there. So it wound up being, Ruger was going to say, okay, we're going to pre- we, we will go ahead and we'll publish the standard SAMI 24-inch barrel ballistics, but we're making a 26-inch barrel. And in the 26-inch mm-hmm. barrel, this thing produced 4,200 foot per second with the 32-grain bullet. Uh, so, I mean, it far eclipsed the 22250 right. for yeah. velocity mm-hmm. versus the BC for the bullet. Mm-hmm. And then we really kind of said, okay, now now we're going to really sweeten the pot here. And this 40-grain bullet we're going to do has got a little bit longer ogive, so it's got you know, sleeker profile, and we're going to put a boat tail on this thing. And 3850, am I remembering 39 right? 39 almost, I yeah. think, yeah, somewhere So, right you know, you got, wow. this, you got this 40 cal- or 20 caliber bullet that's pushing a 200 BC at, you know, 3,900 feet per second almost. And I, I can remember the first time when riders shot this, they said, man, this thing has just got no recoil. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's almost instantaneous when you pull the trigger. Yeah. Look at this. A hundred free bullets when I buy these select Hornady reloading tools. Wow, 500 free bullets with certain Hornady reloading presses and kits. Well, what do they have? Let's get loaded. There's no better time to stock your reloading bench. Choose from the most durable, precise, and convenient tools on the market and receive free bullets to get you loaded. Visit Hornady.com for further details. Next time we get loaded, the uh, and then and then that's what I like about two hundred four Ruger and that's what I wish. I mean, it should be more popular than it is. Yeah. Because everybody, if you go to a prairie dog shoot and I take my two hundred four, everybody ends up going and buying one. Because you know, people who shoot a lot of prairie dogs, people who don't are going to be like, "That's kind of gross." But we all know the prairie dog flip. You know, everybody. you shoot the prairie dogs and they flip in there. the air, and you can do that. You know, twenty two two fifty is good for that, as far as the terminal side. But it's got enough recoil where you come out of the scope. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, there's people who have a 12, 13 pound gun. You don't come out of scope on that. But on a normal nine pound varmint rifle, you you come out of the scope with the 22 204 Ruger. You don't come out of the scope, so you get to watch the show. Yeah. So it's like a 22 where you can watch the show, and uh, and that was at a time in my life where I was shooting a lot of prey dogs. I had just started at Hornady. I'd been there about five years. Uh, and a lot of guys just from Hornady were shooting. You right. and Doug yep. Derner would yep. go up to St. Paul and up by Elba and and uh, go up there. So I built a, and that's, and surprisingly, that's when I got into AR-15s, which in 2003 weren't weren't nearly as popular as they are now. Right. Uh, so that was only the second AR I built. The, the first AR I built was a heavy barrel 24-inch 223 that I built just for shooting prey dogs. Uh, and we started working on this. And I'm like, Dave, we got to make sure it fits in that mag. <laughs> yep. And so, sure. yep. and it fits, it's 2.260, fits yeah. right in the mag. Uh, and I made, I called it Pacnor 
because they were one of the few companies making a 20 cal barrel. Uh, strangely enough, I talked to John Noveski at that time. He was oh, just wow. getting started. And he was, if, if you wanted a pre-chambered barrel from Pacnor, Pacnor sent the barrel across the street to John Noveski and he's the one who chambered it. Uh, strangely enough, he wanted too much money to chamber it. So, uh, I ended up chambered it out in the tool room and building it myself. So I had a 26 inch Pacnor barrel so I could get everything I yeah. could out of it. And man, that's a prairie dog machine. Um, it's almost too fun to shoot. I wasn't good to that barrel and I let it get really hot a few times. Just a few? Uh, just, well, yeah. Every so, time you shot it. So it, uh, accuracy started falling off pretty quickly at about 12, 1300 rounds, which isn't normal. I don't want to get the idea started that a 204 is a barrel burner, but I burnt that barrel down myself. 204 should be good for 2,000, 2,500 easy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I burnt that barrel down and I built another one and screwed another one on. So keep them coming. Uh, that, it is m hands down my favorite prairie dog cartridge. Also good for shooting coyotes. It slides out on coyotes. Yes, sir. Um, there's it, like I said, it should be more popular than it is. When, when you guys were doing the development process, was Ruger the impetus? Like, hey, we need, we want a varmint cartridge or was this? We have a cartridge. Are you guys looking for one? Or how did that joint venture well, no, happen? Steve talked about this yesterday of how, you know, the recipe for launching a new cartridge was you had to get married up with a gun company that was willing to support this and make guns. And I, as I recall, Mitch and I talked about it and kind of laid out the requirements. I kind of came up with a design, did a bunch of calculations to say, you know, this thing should be, you know, in this range of performance mm -hmm. with this weight bullet. And I, I think the number that originally came out was 4,200 and right. we, we got held to that. So we did, we came close, but we didn't quite yeah. make it. So that's why the 26 inch barrels, but Steve went and took that to uh, Ruger and they were instantly, oh yeah, Done. you Makes guys sense. make that, we'll, we'll chamber rifles for it. Yeah. Right. I think we still have five Ruger M77s with the Varmint. laminate stock, yep. with the heavy right. barrel, barrel in the yep. lab. Yep. And yep. Uh, that must have been come out of that, those initial. Yep, yep. That's exactly what yep. those were. Probably for a rider shoot, I would guess. Yeah. Well, speaking of rider shoot, I am the handler, I guess you could call me, of, of the editorial staff. And every year I host at least one, sometimes two, prairie dog events every summer. Usually that uh, last week in May, first week in June time frame is gorgeous because it's it's warm enough, the dogs are out. And, and you got the pups out there, you know, just after the spring and it's not so ungodly hot that you can't have fun. And I had, uh, grown up and, and heard about the 204 Ruger growing up, but never had a need for one. And I'd never shot one prior to me working at Hornady and specifically on these rider events to go out onto the prairie in Wyoming. And we, I always bring an arsenal, you know, you name mm -hmm. it, 22, 250s, 243, right. six arc, six uh, 223, if I didn't say that 17, uh, HMR, 17 HMR revolvers, all kinds of stuff. And I just, the first time I did this, took some of those Ruger M77s that are down there now. And we have a Savage model 12, right bolt, left port, single shot, yep. 26 inch, big truck axle barrel. I ended up shooting all the guns a little bit. And then I just latched on the 204 and effectively turned that barrel into a welding rod i mean it was <laughs> I, I was uh, yep. ruthless to it but it was the funnest day of prairie dog shooting i'd ever had you got typical wyoming winds and it didn't matter inside of 350 yards i was gonna i was gonna hit the dog it was right. just it was like having an extension of your yep. hand shooting a laser beam yep and uh last year 
at uh, or just a few months ago, I say last year, just a couple months ago, I had that same event and the ammo that was available to us was 24 grain NTX. And you want to yeah. talk about speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like, uh, the Savage was running like 4250 and that one Ruger that I took was, yeah, somewhere in the 4180 something range. Yeah. And, uh, those, the Ruger's a 24 inch barrel on ours. It was, a. Uh, mm-hmm. anyways. It's just remarkable. You give that to uh, an outdoor rider who'd never shot a prairie dog before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I told, I handed it to this particular gentleman and said, I threw rule in prairie dog shooting. No laughing and no smiling. And then he, <laughs> yeah, he pulls the trigger uh, and he sends one three or four foot in the air and instantly, you know, over 12 year old girls giggling yep. on the prairie. Uh, yep. And in the earlier 2000s, when you guys designed this cartridge, you talk about going up to St. Paul, uh, at least for prairie dogs. Uh, coyotes are still really prevalent, but prey dogs around that area. And I grew up not far east of Elba, uh, over by a little town called Wallback in a town called Belgrade and prey dogs were relatively common. And, uh, it, right. it was probably a great time to, to release that cartridge. And then you fast forward, you know, Mitch, you said not as popular as you think it should be. Right. You fast forward just a few years, corn hit $6 a bushel. Everything that was prairie dog is corn. Uh, at least yeah. in our neck of the woods. Well, yeah. they they also had that couple year period where they were talking about making the prairie do- American prairie dog endangered or mm-hmm. something like endangered that. Species. And all these guys went out and poisoned out all of their their mm-hmm. towns because they weren't going to lose their pasture land. Yep. And yeah, it, at that point in time, uh, out you know west of St. Paul, and Doug Derner knew a lot of people out that way. Yep. I mean, you could find a lot of prairie dog towns, yep. and there were a lot of prairie dogs out there. Yep. That's awesome. Well, and you, we've mentioned Doug a couple of times. Doug worked uh, in our lab and also in our customer service area and yeah, really well connected out there. And just here, uh, not that long ago, me and my kids uh, were going up to Happy Jack Peak over by Scotia mm-hmm. and, yep. and North Loop. And, yep. you know, we're driving country roads and darn it, if there isn't a couple of prairie dog towns over by Danaverke still, okay. still out there. Yeah. So some of them yeah. are probably still yeah. out there. Yep. And I couldn't help but wonder if like, Maybe that was one of the fields that uh, the 204 Ruger and the 17 HMR got exercised on. Oh, it, yeah, I it bet it would have happened. The Hornady Rapid Safe Keypad Vault offers quick, dependable access to your firearm while providing security from unauthorized users. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault is constructed of a heavy duty 14 gauge steel housing and thick steel lid for tamper proof security. The included RFID watch band tag and RFID decal can be selectively programmed to open this safe and any other Rapid Safe you own. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault from Hornady Security. And, you know, you were talking about how you wish it sold more. You know, there's the prairie dogs, I think, are much fewer now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the political social changes in the country right. in the last 20 years it's just not as po- and, and that right. probably explains a lot of that but I, I think so i know and i remember clearly for about an eight to ten year period that cartridge was almost at the top of the list of our most popular cartridges oh it was it, it, was, it was it was big yeah yep. well, and for good reason it it is i've said this about a lot of things but it's fun in a box right there the 204 ruger no recoil especially when you start putting suppressors on stuff right. and and to go out on a parade dog town and, and legitimately, depending on the wind, when you've got in a low wind day, you've got quarter mile performance where your holdover at a quarter of a mile is about 12 inches. Right. You, you know, you hold about the height of a prairie dog standing on a mound and you've got a real good shot at hitting them. Yep. And that 
if that doesn't put a smile on your right. face, you need to go to the doctor because that is <laughs> uh, that is something mm-hmm. else. And I've heard Steve mention going back uh, to when his dad Joyce was still alive that the prairie dog availability around Grand Island you didn't have to go too far outside really? the city of right, Grand yeah. Island to get into some I'm sure uh, prairie dog pastures. Awesome. Yeah, days gone by. But now prairie dogs is one thing. Ground squirrels, woodchucks is one thing. I've yet to shoot a coyote with it. And I'm guessing you guys have, have exercised that on the larger game, you know, something like a coyote. Still mm-hmm. just as effective, speed kills, but that's a pretty light bullet. Yeah, but the hydrostatic shock you get once that thing goes through the skin and expands, is just, it's going to, the hydrostatic right. shock's going to kill the animal. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily even have to penetrate all the way through the animal. You're yeah. going to kill him from hydrostatic shock. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. The, uh, the one, if, if you're coyote hunting for the fur, for the pelt, maybe not so yeah. good. It, yeah. Cause you're going to make a big <laughs> hole. You make a big hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, understood, you know, and that's anymore, not really a point of concern because right. with uh, the way that the fur market has been, this is tangential, but man, there's not a, there's, you're not getting much, if anything, for a coyote or a raccoon right. anymore, which is unfortunate, but the 204 Ruger, super capable. I had never thought I wanted a 204 Ruger until I went to my first prairie dog town and instantly changed my mind because there right. is something about that speed and the, abil- the, the ability, we've talked about this, gosh, since our first podcast, but we've been talking about this all week. When you can get a, a factory rifle and I can just get ammo and I don't have to load it and then mm-hmm. it just shoots well, right? that just makes it so easy because if you're going to be shooting prairie dogs out there at range, it's no fun if you're missing right. them. You got to hit them. And uh, getting ready for those media events like I do, I spend a lot of time and oh. I get every gun dialed in so that when we get out there, right. pull them out of the box and go shoot. And accuracy is never a concern. In fact, that uh, Savage 12, that left port, right bolt, single mm-hmm. shot, lay down, it just stacks bullets. It particularly shoots the 32 grain VMAX well. Yeah, that the flat 40. base is the just, flat base, it's, yeah. just, it's just easier to make accurate day in, day out. Is it? Uh, the yeah. 40s shoot fine, and the 24s we shot this year, that NTX bullet, they shot well under an inch, and man, that is the blistering fast. The the 204 was, you know, the the, the second cartridge in the continuation of this whole design philosophy of putting mm-hmm. tight throats in these things. Tight oh, throats okay. and 100,000 of freeboard. So tight got throat. a little room to move, but yep. yet you're holding them straight. Uh, it's a recipe for accuracy. It, it really is. Sounds like a recipe that way. I want you guys figured it out. We just, <laughs> we just used it on everything else since. Yeah. yeah. You could almost. Because it works. Hornady's cartridge design. Dave figured it out once with the help of you and Joe. Copy, paste, scale to size. Mm, uh, and then yeah. plug and play 204 Ruger, Creedmoor, ARC, PRC. Uh, you fill in the blank. But right. Uh, yeah. Between, between Savage, Ruger, I know Howa, Legacy Sports, and mm-hmm. gosh, there's a bunch of other vendors out there that still produce the 204 ruger right it's easy to be accurate i don't know if any ar companies that are at least mass producing that. um dpms made one at the time mm-hmm. uh that was a real good gun that was actually the the replacement barrel i put on mine was a straight fluted barrel from mood to dpms um which they're still extant in some version and i don't know if they still sell it or not I know on the various like ar parts manufacturers you can yeah, still you can, just you get can still Get an upper or get a barrel on it. Yeah, I might have to think about that for next year's media event is getting yep. a gas gun. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because 
it's it's you can yeah. manage people when they're opening a bolt and putting it around and closing mm-hmm. the bolt, but yeah, you get prairie dogs running around in the Wyoming prairie oh, yeah. in a gas gun. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be if the barrel starts to droop at the muzzle. You might <laughs> want to put it down for a little bit. Uh, we'll yeah. have to get a little Take changing a handle yeah. on it. Yeah, be changing uppers like right, it's a two forty machine. Yeah. Uh, well, appreciate what you guys did for the industry with the two hundred four Ruger, and it's it's pretty interesting. And I wasn't aware how important that was for us. One on the cartridge case manufacturing side, mm. and then two working with that powder manufacturer to get a propellant specific to that cartridge right. and and to really fine tune it to get the highest level of performance possible which turned out to be an incredibly successful commercially available propellant yep. it uh it, you know i think it was the cartridge following the 17 hmr that really established that no the 17 hmr wasn't a fluke this is right. a, this is another continuation mm. of this whole philosophy we right. had where the up curve just kept getting steeper mm. and steeper yeah hornady knows what they're doing yep well, and it's uh, Dave and, and Mitch and Joe and, and the whole crew really laid some damn solid groundwork right. to uh, to subsequently introduce mm-hmm. cartridges like the 6.5 Creedmoor and by using that same design methodology that was the 17 HMR, that was the 204 Ruger, that right. was the Creedmoor. And like you mentioned just now, Dave, that up curve has right. been pretty steep in the gun manufacturers. Now we're not working with one gun manufacturer we're working with 30 gun manufacturers no. well, they roll out a cartridge they're, yeah they're they've been coming to hornady yeah. instead they're of us coming going to us to knocking the yep. door hey what's new what's next let's go let's get yep. something going and that's pretty satisfying so yeah. for all of the cartridges but specifically the 204 ruger job well done guys thanks Seth. anything thanks, else Seth. on the 204 no i, I just i just well really it. i just really encourage people if you haven't shot one go shoot one and it'll become your new varmint cartridge hands down excellent I'd agree with that Appreciate it. Well, guys, you heard it here. If you haven't shot a 204 Ruger, go shoot one. Like Mitch said, it will quickly become your favorite varmint cartridge, and it has quickly become my favorite varmint cartridge. We hope you enjoyed this discussion, and we'll catch you on the next one.